Hello, and welcome to The Burning Castle, where each week we take a journey with someone who's looking at a world on fire and asking how they can bring their own form of iconoclastic change to make things a little or a lot better. For those who aren't familiar, The Burning Castle is a reference to the original iconoclast Abraham, who sees a burning world and asks if there's no master at home to put out the flames. The response he receives is to go out and become a stronger person so he can create a better world. With your host, Ashley Rinsberg. Hello, and welcome to The Burning Castle. This is your host, Ashley Rinsberg. Today, we'll be talking to Jericho Green. You could call Jericho many things, activist, critic, or just one pissed off dude from California. But to me, Jericho is something of a video columnist. In his hundreds of videos, which he usually films on the way to work, Jericho presents a stinging critique of some of the worst of what we see unfolding in America today. He's unapologetic, but deeply thoughtful. The best place to find Jericho is on his great YouTube channel. Just Google Jericho Green. Also, don't forget to check out his awesome hats and t-shirts, which are not to be missed. Just as a reminder, this episode was recorded back when the show was called The Meaning Creators, in case you hear that name pop up in the interview. Now, on to the episode. So Jericho Green, thank you so much for being here. I think the question, the first question I have is just, who are you? Where are you? And how did you get to the point where you're doing these amazing videos and that you're doing so many of, I just looked through your your YouTube channel, like this is video after video after video, and you've been so consistent with them. And each time you've got something new to say and something interesting to say in a way that it's one of those things where you hear and you're like, oh yeah, okay, yes. Why is nobody else saying that? Why didn't I even think of that until I heard it? So if you just start from the beginning and where you are, I think NorCal, I'm not 100% sure, and, and let's take it from there. Well, first of all, thank you very much uh, for having me. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. People's time is valuable. So when they use some of it on me, you know, I'm very appreciative of that. My pleasure. Yeah, uh, Northern California is where I am in the belly of the belly of the beast. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to these crazy, just ridiculous laws and rules and people that you see and hear coming out of California, I'm right there. I'm where they make mm -hmm. these kind of people. But, I, you know, I'm here. I live with, uh, of course, with my family, my wife, two kids, I work. And the reason I have so many videos is because I'm passionate about my content, you know, the things that are going on in the world. And when you have kids, it kind of changes your view on things. You start looking at the big picture, the long term a little bit more. You know, when it's just you, you're a little bit more selfish. You know, that's human nature. But when you have other people to be concerned with, you start looking at things differently. You start paying attention to different things. You start tuning into the education system and policies coming out of whether it be your state government or at a federal level, you know, for the whole country. So, you know, I was one day listening to something. It kind of pissed me off a little bit for lack of a better word or term. And uh, I just started recording, but there's, I'm so passionate about things. And then there's just this endless supply of liberal, just horseshit flowing from DC and especially here in California. Think of something crazy that you think will never happen. It'll happen right here in California. Our governor, the exalted one, Gavin Newsom, dare I say his name, he just outlawed gas powered cars being produced in California starting in like, five or ten years or something like that 
never mind the humongous ag industry that powers California and feeds the world. I don't know what these guys are supposed to drive around the farm and haul these trailers and huge pieces of equipment with, I guess, you know, water-powered cars or some, you know, liberal utopian fantasy he has in his mind. But, you know, it's sometimes it's a blessing and a curse. Like, I'm glad to have things to talk about. I'm glad to have things to be passionate about. But some of it is just so crazy and damaging to our country. And in some cases, the world, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's crazy, man. And I'm just, you know, you feel a couple weeks ago, we had Labor Day weekend here. It was a big deal here in the States. You know, people are barbecuing. You got a three-day weekend, the kids. And it's kind of like the last hoorah before summer's over. starts Mm -hmm. to get a little colder. So we were about three hours north of where I live here. And like I said, being in like the liberal butthole of the earth is where I am. So to go three hours away, it was like I was in another another state. There was pro-Trump memorabilia everywhere and American flags and a great sense of patriotism. Not to say that there aren't patriots on the coast, but they're kind of quiet about it because they don't want to deal with the bullshit from these crazy liberals. You know, if you dare to, you know, stray from the, the script that they've written for everybody that believes what they believe. Mm-hmm. So it was it was like I wasn't even in California anymore to see that kind of support for just conservative values. So, yeah, it's crazy living on the coast and just like the East Coast, New York, you know, that's usually where the crazies are on the coast. You know, they book in the rest of the country. Yeah, man, being in California, there's a lot to talk about. So coming up with videos is not hard to do. So have you always been on this side of, of the political divide? Did you always have views that were kind of tending towards conservative or is this something that kind of evolved over time as we've seen changes on the left and changes to what it means to be liberal because it didn't used to mean all that it means today i mean when i when i was growing up to be liberal was kind of a it's kind of a middle of the road proposition it's kind of like live and let live and you know let's take care of each other and those are the basic premises. To me, it seems like the spectrum really shifted in a drastic way. Was that something that you found part of, that you were part of that shift as well, that as the shift was moving in a different direction, you were kind of also changing? Or is this, um, is the views and ideas that you have today, were those always with you? You know, you're right. The word liberal now means something totally different. It's been hijacked and perverted. Liberal used to be something that we could all agree with, you know? Like you said, live and let live. Let's be kind to each other. Let's help each other mm-hmm. when we can. That I think that should be the ground rules for any good society. But it's been taken over. Now it means something completely crazy. Fortunately, all credit given to my parents and the environment that they provided for me. I never needed, uh, I never had a need to change or switch my views or walk away as you know the popular term is online. I never had to do that. Both of my parents served in the military. So no matter where you're from in the world, if you grow up with military parents, there's going to be some similarities. There's going to be some structure. There's going to be some discipline. There's going to be some self-reliance. And that's not the only way you get it. But with military parents, there's a very high probability that that's how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents, they just, you know, if you do something wrong or right, that's on you. You either take all of the punishment or you take all the credit. But that's on you. You can't blame somebody. And that just, I can't wrap my head around giving my power up to somebody else saying you have control over my life. You control my actions and my emotions, my access to things. I don't subscribe to that. That's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Nobody, nobody has control over me, but me, the only other person's opinion I listen to is my wife. And um, that's about it. Everybody else, you know, 
everybody else can suck it, you know, pretty much. So I just never subscribed to that. And I'm fortunate enough. I'm fortunate for me, unfortunate for them to have examples in my life and my family and people around me to see, oh yeah, I'm not going to think like that. That is just Mm -hmm. a bunch of garbage. And I don't know how a fully functioning adult can buy into that. And I'm hoping that I pass that down to my kids too. Not how to be, but at least sit back and be objective. Do your homework. Don't just believe this nonsense that's being piped into your mind by some silver ponytail Hawaiian shirt wearing idiot who, you know, missed his boat in life. So now he's mad and he's going to try to poison your mind. You know, don't be disrespectful. Uh, Just like Ronald Reagan said, trust, but confirm, you know, Mm -hmm. listen to what they're saying, but, you know, make sure you back that with your own research, have your own mind. Don't be led around by the nose like these morons out in the street destroying, creating havoc. Why? Because you were told to feel that way? Because you're told that somebody wronged you in some way? Who is it? This imaginary system you keep telling me about? Does the system have a face? I mean, is this a real person or just something you make up to make you, you know, have excuses for your failures? And Mm -hmm. like I said, thanks to my parents, I never bought into that bullshit. And I'm so thankful because I couldn't imagine being the age that I am and finally waking up to, you know, the the tricks that have been pulled on you for years. I'm so glad that that I didn't have to ride that train, so to speak. Yeah, well, I mean, that to me brings a great point, which is that if you've got a viewpoint like yours and you're looking around and you feel like you're at a point where you're saying, I'm going to take responsibility for myself. I'm going to hold on to the power that I know I have in my own life. And I can see around me millions and millions of people who can't do that or are not willing to do that. And the question becomes then, how do we as a society or how do you as an individual help make that change, help make the change where you get people to start opening their eyes or just to listen for a second? You know what I mean? So it's not just about spewing the hashtag at a protest or online and just hammering away at that point but to stop and be like maybe the other person has something to say and even for myself when thinking about it you know when I hear an argument that's counter to something I believe in I always want to be able to stop and be like what are they really trying to say and why you know but how do we get other people to do that because it seems like the hardest thing in the world when you're watching these kids or or adults at protests and they're just going bonkers like they're they're absolutely out of control it seems like it's rage how do you talk to that that's the question that's a great question i think that number one we have to know who to deal with we have to decide okay who are the ones that we are able to save and who are the ones that are too far gone because you can't save everybody Mm -hmm. not enough room you know we, we can't do it all some of those people are gone some of those people are mad about things that we can't help them with you know, like in my video, sometimes I'll say, you know what, you need to go on a road trip with your dad and work out whatever you got going on and let him hug you mm-hmm. and tell you the things he should have told you when you were younger, because that's where a lot of this crap comes from. That's where all of our crap comes from as adults. You know, we right. can always trace it back to somewhere in our childhood. And some of us escaped with less damage than others, but some of them are gone. So the ones that we can talk to, the ones who are at least open to listening, My brother, he's a good example of this. We don't see eye to eye on 90% of things. He's not crazy. He's not one of the the blue haired, what I call granola headed dirt fuckers. He's not one of them, but we don't see eye to eye on things. But I learned from him. I learned from his point of view. I can understand it. I might not agree with it, but I understand it. And I'm learning from him. So the people we can engage and talk to like that, that's what we need to do. We need to engage, listen, and also talk. 
you know, let them know how we feel. Let them know that we have more similarities than differences because the mainstream and the complacent, fat, you know, career politicians, Mm -hmm. they're pushing a different narrative. They need us to stay not focusing because it's so easy. If we focus, it's so easy to peel back the layers of their bullshit and their corruption. Yeah. But if we're focused on, oh, you're different than me, or I'm yeah. supposed to be fearful of you because I saw you on TV smashing in people's windows, then we're not going to pay attention to the man behind the curtain, so to speak. Right. And also, and probably more importantly, I think, is to start at home because this is a big world. We can't help the world, but we can control to a certain extent, what we have in our home. So teaching our kids, and maybe you don't have kids, maybe you have a significant other, talking to them and maybe getting them, you know, to open up and just listen, not change their views, not bring them to our side, so to speak, but at least be open to it. And especially with our kids, you know, teach them to, that people are gonna have differences, but that's no reason to hate them. Like, because I voted for somebody different than you, you want to hit me in the head with a padlock? <laughs> that's insane. That's crazy. That's you crazy. can't negotiate with them. That's, that's insanity. That's evil. What rational person would react like that? But, you know, starting at home, and that's not just this turmoil, the speed bump we're dealing with in America, but, you know, the fatherless homes that create these people who have the interactions with the police who get shot, who start these ridiculous riots and, you know, all the protesters. Yeah, right. But, you know, creating those kind of people who don't have a value for life or authority, who get shot by the police, who pull their gun on the cop and, you know, shoot at this cop. Like, who would shoot at a cop? What do you think they're going to do if you shoot at them? They have guns on them. They have guns in the car that are even bigger. So that's what they do. But if we create people who respect authority and who aren't going to scream fuck the police and throw bottles at them. If I would not be afraid of the police, I would be afraid that the police would call my dad and my mom and tell them that they caught me out here doing this. Cause then that's the penalty that I'm afraid of because I was taught to respect authority. So I'm not going to be out here doing this nonsense because number one, I got respect for myself and my mom and dad might be coming down the street behind me. And that's a fate worse than death, you know, but I think that, it, it definitely, a lot of our ills as a people, it needs to start at home. It, yeah. it really does. I know it sounds old fashioned and whatever, but it starts at home, man. No, I, I, I 100% agree. And I think that, you know, the family, again, it sounds even more old fashioned, but I feel like this, the family is sacrosanct. You know, the family's sacred and we've completely, it's, we haven't just lost that. It's actually it's been destroyed. I think it's been attacked. It's been, I think it's been in some fashion deliberately attacked in the US and not just from the left. I also think it's an effect of like consumer culture gone just haywire, just too much, just too much stuff. But I also think that when it comes to the people being on the street and the stuff they're doing on the street, I see something that I've seen in the US a long time, which is there's no sense of us or we in America, and I say this, and admittedly, someone who doesn't live in America anymore and hasn't lived there for a long time, but when I was there, I kind of would look around and be like, these people don't have anything in common with each other besides the, the geographic location that they happen to be in right now, and I don't feel like I have any common. It doesn't feel like a togetherness. It doesn't feel like a shared mission or a shared sense of purpose. And if you don't have that commonality, I feel like, you know, why, why would you go and step out and help that guy next to you? Why would you look at the cop and be like, he's not a cop, he's a fellow citizen, you know, first. 
you know, so that to me is another part of this is like, how do we recapture that? How do we regain that sense of like, this is not just a place where we all happen to live. We're in this together for a reason. That to me is also something I'd love to hear you talk about. What we used to call the common good. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree with you. And you know, you don't have to be here to have an educated opinion or the right opinion about how things are going in America. My dad would always say, you don't need to bite the donut to know it's sweet. You know, you can see that from where you are. The world sees what's going on here and it's yeah. true, you know, and it's again, going back to that old fashioned kind of thing. When I was a kid, you know, it was kind of, it was a neighborhood, you know, all the kids played together. Right. Parents knew each other. All I got to do is make a phone call to that parent, your kid's acting up, oh, send him home immediately. Right. He'll be back to apologize. It was, you know, respect and a sense of community. And I don't want to put it always on the media or the government because we have to take responsibility in this too because we allowed it to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's on all of us. And to be honest, the last time we really felt that sense of community, that togetherness was on 9-12-2001. Yeah, and, totally. you know a few months after that or six yeah. months after that or whatever it was just you would see people on the street and just kind of nod to them you know it didn't need to be said it was felt right. you know and people were community and it didn't matter what you look like because it happened to all of us we were right. all here right. and i i don't want something like that to have to happen again to unite people but if again bring it back to the home we got to create these people because adults they're pretty much gone. They're already hardened. They're, they've already hardened their minds. They're no longer pliable. It's the kids. It's them seeing us interact with each other and seeing how we treat police officers when we see them. Do we say hello to them? Mm -hmm. You know, do we say, hey, you guys stay safe out there? Or do mm -hmm. we mumble something under our breath when we walk by? Or do we give them a dirty look? Kids pick up on that. They're so fine-tuned to our feelings and our emotions. It's unreal. Right. They know, like, you know when mommy and daddy got when they're beefing, when there's a problem, right. you can feel it in the air. It's like when you go up in an airplane and you're, your ears get tight. There's a, yeah. a, a pressure change in the atmosphere. You know what's up. And it's so important. And I hate to be cliche, but you got to have kids to know. You know what it feels like to look at your kids. It's not even love. Love is a horseshit word. I mean, that doesn't begin to describe the feelings you have for your children. I yeah. mean, I love my mom's potato salad. That's nothing compared <laughs> to, you know, my, this 50% of my DNA right here. You yeah. know, I do whatever I had to for them. So along with loving them and giving them the, the proper tools is showing them how to be kind to others and showing them that sense of community, waving to your neighbors, meeting them when they move into the neighborhood. We got to yeah. hit reset and reinstall some of those old fashion ways, I guess, that made us, that got us here, right. you know, that made us the great country that we are. It's still there. There's, there's some erosion, there's some rust on top of it, but it's still there and we need to go back to it and reconnect people, you know, and it's tough with social media, you know, yeah. it's, it connects us, but it, it distances us. You, you see a line of people somewhere, what are they all doing? They're all looking down at their phone, you know, so there's new enemies against creating a sense of community, but it can be done. It's a hell of a task. It's a tall order. <laughs> it's a son of a bitch, but it can be done. 
I had a friend who lived here when he passed away recently. He was 98 years old, born and raised. I think he was born and raised in the U.S. He was definitely raised there. He was in Harvard. He studied Harvard. He left. He tried to race to graduation so that he would be able to fight in World War II. Because the idea of him not being able to go into that war while all the other people around him were sacrificing their lives and their futures was unacceptable. He just could not imagine that. So he did it. He was, in, he was on, a, I think, a destroyer in the Pacific. And he did it again. He was in law school and he saw the Jews of Europe after the Holocaust they're being rounded up by the British and put in these internment camps. He got a boat by himself because he, he had an experience in the Navy, took this boat to Cyprus to try to free these people, was arrested by the British. This guy was like 22 years old, 23 years old at the time. His name was Harold Katz. And the reason I'm talking about him is because he always used to say to me, you have to have a sense of the sacred. Otherwise, it all just goes out the window. You can hold on to an idea. You can hold on to a compromise or a bargain. But if there's not a sense of the sacred that's keeping it all together, that we say, these are the things I absolutely won't transgress because it's who we are. It's who I am. And, you know, this isn't a view I don't, I don't really speak about too much because it feels like, you know, the, the cultural climate we're in, it feels like if you say something about the sacred, you're a Puritan, you're, you know, a Bible thumper or something, which I'm 100% not, because I don't feel like it needs to be a particular form of the sacred. But we need to have a sense of the sacred, and, and that does need to be connected to a, a, a culture of who we are, or society of who we are. And that doesn't mean we, it makes you fascist. Not at all, because there does need to be a diversity of ideas and thoughts. But I think that's what's missing not just in the US, all around the world, and even in a country like Israel, which is a very, there's a lot of religious people here, where, you know, this is a country that's sort of based or rooted in the Bible, we should also have lost that sense of the sacred. We've also given it up in exchange for surfing on the web and making our little, scoring our little points on Twitter and being cool and all that kind of thing. That to me is another big question here is, is how do we how do we find that sacred that sacred not a safe space how do we find a sacred space in our culture today yeah i think uh, like you said speaking of that that older gentleman i mean 98 years old just think of just sitting with him for an afternoon listening to him tell you stories of how he grew up what they used to do how much things used to cost you know mm. uh, not only do we need to focus on raising good people, but also listening to the people who have been there and done that, you know, who have been through much tougher times than we could ever imagine. When's the next time you're going to somehow, you know, commandeer a boat to go save people from somewhere? That's just, those times have passed and they did yeah. that so we don't have to. Right. You know, those people went through those really hard times. I mean, imagine now if they were drafting people, they'd be hashtag not going, you know, yeah. I'm not going to go fight this evil fascist, you know, yeah. whatever the stupid words they would throw around. But you're right, there need to be some non-negotiables. There need to be things that we can all agree. This is sacred. You know, children, women, the elderly, animals, the basic. These are people that we have to protect, people that, and the elderly, people we have to revere, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah, it's it's really is tough, you know, to kind of hit reset and get back to those values. And the reason people want that is because it's in us. We all know what's right. We don't need a book to tell us 
don't steal, don't hurt people, you know, don't be eyeballing your, your buddy's wife, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's in us. You know that's not right. So can we mm-hmm. say that out loud without being ostracized and, you know, call, like you said, some kind of Puritan or fascist because we believe in things, you know, that the latest little pop slut told you was bad. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. And a lot of this stuff comes from people who come from broken homes. So they don't know. They mm-hmm. don't know what it's like to have those values. They view them as old, rigid you know, passe things that we shouldn't, we need to update. It's 21st century, man. I can, you know, sex who I want, abortions if I want, marriage is stupid. No, mm-hmm. it's not. That's what made, that's what created you. That's what made you. That's what gave us, you know, these times that we're talking about getting back to, you know, it, they, the times do need to be simpler, so to speak. Now we're not going to all go back and shut down the internet. You know, that's here to stay, but we somehow need to reconnect. And like I said, we can't change the world, but we can change our house. And that's where it starts. You know, and it's tough, especially having kids. You want to limit that screen time. You want to limit your screen time to much time with them, especially like you and I, you know, having things that we also do that require, you know, the phone, answering emails and things of that nature. You got to balance providing a life for your kids and being a part of that life you provide. You know, it, it's a, a balancing act. But we're parents. We signed up for it. You know, the stork didn't drop it off on the porch for us. We had to, we had to work for it. So, you know, it's uh, we just got to dig deeper and try to do better, you know, and hope that we don't have to have a time where there needs to be a draft, you know, where we got to send our young to go fight like that. Because those times, man, World War II, those are tough times, man. And we don't want to have to go through that again, you know. No, we certainly don't. You know, but uh, along those lines of being someone who's, you know, you're leaning into the social media where all this stuff is really going down. How does that work for you? So you you said it earlier that, you know, you just got pissed off and you wanted to put it out there and to say something. And I feel like a lot of people could do that once or twice and be like, all right, I did it. But how do you how did you keep going? How do you keep going? What are you finding with your audience? Are you hearing back from people? What are they telling you? Yeah, you know, I, I just want to hear a little bit more about what's now become a real project. I mean, you're deep in how many videos are there? Because it seems like there are a lot. So oh. I'm really curious to hear about that whole thing. I got, man, I must be around 750 videos. Wow. Because I wow. pretty much do them every day. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll take a day off, um, you know, and not do anything. But if there's something big or something that, that I hear about that really you know, gets me going about something and yeah, I'll talk about it. I was listening to uh, one of my, did my first video, I was listening to ESTN. There's this guy on there named Max Kellerman and he was talking about how tough it is for the black quarterbacks in the NFL. We're the league minimum, mind you, meaning even if you sit on the bench and don't play, you make $900,000 a year. (laughs) So spare me all that nonsense and this phantom racism you may deal with and okay, Let's say you really did have to deal with some racism, all right? Okay, fine. All I do is think about that $900,000 check, and I could give a shit what anybody thinks about me or what I'm doing. Like, get real. Like, what mm-hmm. risk? And he was talking about uh, Warren Moon, which is like a famous Hall of Famer quarterback. Mm-hmm. So what racism are you talking about? Because I'm sure whenever he stepped out of his home, it was, Warren, Warren, sign this. You're awesome, man. I got your poster. Great game last week. Well, mm-hmm. what a tough life that is. Like, are, you're seriously telling me that 
NFL black NFL quarterbacks have it bad. Come on, man. Is this what we're focusing on? So I just, I felt like nobody who looked like me was saying things the way that I wanted them said. I felt like the voice of, like there was no voice for black people. Like everybody thought we all thought the same way as Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton. And I, mm-hmm. and I felt that way even as a kid. Because I hear my parents talk about Jesse Jackson, you know, he's not, he doesn't represent me. He's not the official spokesperson for black people. My parents never agreed with what they said. So that kind of planted something in me, you know, like I'm tired of hearing people talk like that. I'm tired of hearing them say the same thing, making people think that I think like that too. And I don't. So I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to tell you what I think. And it just so happens I got a lot of things that I like to talk about, you know, (laughs) concern what I think. Yeah, it's great. I, I do them because, you know, I try to spend as much time as I can with my kids. So yeah. me taking 15 to 20 minutes a day out to do a video, that's a lot. Yeah. But I got to sit in my car anyway to drive right. to work. Right. So, you know, the rat race. So I might as well right. knock it out then. You know, that way I'm not taking any extra time from my kids. I put out some videos. Everybody's happy. I'm not Yeah, but the car, the car thing is, is cool because you... It, you know, it kind of like situates you in your in in your routine. Like we get a sense of not just what you're saying, but what you're doing. You're on the way to work, like it's or wherever yeah. you're go- wherever you might be going. But it's kind of like I don't know. There's something about being in the moment that way. It's not like you're in a padded studio with like the eggshell uh, foam around yeah. you. <laughs> That's something that actually I feel like it really contributes to that message. Like you're out there, you're in the world, you're doing it. Clearly, a busy guy. It's like managed to find this 15 minutes, which is also something I think a lot of people miss is that change and making a difference doesn't require 40 hours a week. It just requires, I think, enough courage to be able to commit to it and say, whatever it is, I'm just going to do it every day. People miss that idea a lot in a lot of different ways in life. But sorry, I kind of interrupted you. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, that's, I think that's part of the appeal is even if you're not at that point in your life now, maybe you're done working or maybe you've reached a level of success, but we've all been in the rat race at some point. We've all been sitting in our car going to work. We've all had a work to go to and the things that come along with the work, yeah. you know, and then the things that come along with life and, you know, and the, the trust that we've lost for the media that played a part in that too, because the media used to be a watchdog. You know, we're out here living life, kids, work, whatever, building something. And so when I come home at night and I tune in, you know, before the days of the internet, you tune into the TV. All right, Walter Cronkite or whoever, tell me what's been going on. What have have these bastards been up to while I've been at work all day? And they would give us, you know, the news and allow us to give our own opinion. But that's been perverted along with liberalism to, we'll give you your opinion. Here you go. This is what you're supposed to think. You know, this is how you're supposed to digest this. And this is what this means. Not letting us kind of treat it as a buffet so to speak i'll take this i'll take that i don't like that i'll take this let me digest it come up with my own opinion thanks for keeping an eye on him for me but that's changed you know now you're telling me what to think i'm not stupid i might look stupid but i'm not stupid you know i can think for myself so now you're insulting me now you're thinking i'm dumb enough to believe this nonsense you're spewing to me this hatred you're telling me that i live in a country or in a world that i don't you're telling me one thing but i don't live what you're telling me Right. I don't live every white person. Is, Don Lemon said white men are the most dangerous things in America, the most dangerous terrorists in America. But he's married to one. I work with some. I'm good friends with some. I'm married to a white woman. So is she like, have, does she have some secret alternative, you know, some ulterior motive? 
mm-hmm. she's laying in wait to spring on me, you know, and her family. I don't live that bullshit. I, every white person is not racist. There's no system against me. If there is, I haven't seen it yet. Any of the failures or successes, they're mine. So I don't know what you're talking about. So now I can't trust you anymore. Now I got to go get my own information. Now I got to go find a Jericho Green who's not going to lie to me, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm glad they do that because that created kind of created what I do, but it's unfortunate, you know, it's very unfortunate because it's very, very dangerous. So who, who are the Jericho Greens that you, that the actual Jericho Green is going to look at? Who do you go to, where do you go to get the information to get, you know, what you feel is reliable and, and honest and open information? I have people that I know, even people, some, some people that I don't know, followers of mine. No, that sounds weird to say. People who watch my videos, they'll email me. You know, I get clips different ways and I verify everything. I try to do some research so I know what I'm talking about. I've had people send me things. I look into it and it's like a total hoax or something like that. But there's some people that I trust. I do my own research. I'll look at a Fox News, but I'll also look at, you know, Salon or something like that. Some left-leaning thing to try to try to find the middle, you know. But um, I just look. I just scour the internet, you know, try to get a couple sides of the argument. You know, or sometimes I don't need one. Sometimes I already know. But just various things. You know, it, it kind of just, when you have your finger on the pulse of current events, I guess, you just find them. You know, yeah. but I, I, yeah, it's I out guess there. I, yeah, it's definitely out there. And, uh, but no matter who I get something from, I definitely do a, a certain level of vetting, you mm-hmm. know, to make sure everything's on the up and up and that I, I know about it. You know, I want to know what the hell I'm talking about. You know, yeah. I recently, I, I wrote a book a while ago when I was, you know, it was like 10 years ago already, which was about, this was about the 10 cases where the New York Times, you know, the most famous and influential newspaper in America and possibly even the world, they actually misreported history to such an extent in these cases that they changed the course of history, like really crazy stuff. And so one of the cases was, the most recent was the 1619 Project if you heard about it, where they were, so, yeah. you, so you heard about it. So the point being 1619 Project for people listening is the New York Times was trying to relocate the founding of American history from 1776, the Declaration of Independence, to 1619, which was the arrival of the first slave in the US. And the biggest critic of the project by far was the World Socialist website. I mean, the most left, hard left outlet that you could find out there. And you would think they would all be in cahoots with this narrative. They were not. They were saying what the 1619 Project has done is not only dishonest, it's inaccurate. And and that was a real eye-opener to me because I think it's always easy to fall into an idea that all of them over there are one way and all of us over here are another way. And that's a, I think that's a part of the lie. You know, that's a part of the lie we all kind of love to tell ourselves or to fall for even even when we have the best of intentions and it's like what you're saying before it's like you you have to be able to listen to that other person listen to your brother who's got different views than you do and you know as someone as a storyteller which is what i am what i think about myself as i keep thinking like if we could only just sit down like you know there's that incident a few weeks back in dc where this crowd of people walk up to these people eating lunch yeah. on the sidewalk and just start, you know, hounding and harassing them, intimidating. And it's so ineffective because if one of those people had just sat down next to them and said, Hey, can I join you for a second? Can I tell you my story? Can you give me five minutes of your time? Let me tell you my story. Let me hear 
what it was like for me. And even if the story they're telling maybe doesn't ring totally true, that other person could at least hear what they're saying and why they're saying it, you know? And I think that's such a big thing. It's like, we don't, we've stopped telling stories about honest stories about who we are and where we've come from. And we've all just fallen back on the hashtag. We've all just fallen back on the, this is how it is, you know, whether you like it or not, throw it in your face. And I'm not sure what my original point there was, but I, I think the idea is that diversity of opinion is always a, good thing and when you start shutting other people down you start eliminating that diversity of, of thought and idea of an opinion and information too because there is more than one it's not that there are alternative facts but there is more than one way to understand what's actually going on you got to eventually in the final analysis decide for yourself which is i think what you what you're saying all along decide for yourself don't just take it whole cloth from Don Lemon or whoever, or from Tucker Carlson, whoever it might be. But, you know, that seems to me to be this huge challenge. And I think, I think a lot of that challenge is social media. I mean, you're a guy who is talking to the world through social media, but at the same time, we know what social media are doing. We know how they're using algorithms to deliver the kind of content that will get people riled up because it gets them clicking. So, you know, that, I think that's, as we kind of start to wrap up, I'd like to hear from you as someone who's really kind of in that world and you're starting to, to really leverage its power. But at the same time, you must be aware of, of its dangers. And how do you balance those ideas? And what do you have to tell people? What do you have to tell social media users like me who are kind of like, I find myself getting lost in the maelstrom of hate and, and vitriol? How do we, other people out there, how can we fight that and use it for its best effects and not not fall into its worst causes it's tough to do let me tell you i kind of rely on my wife for that and not i wouldn't say like i just try to tune out and list she'll tell me hey why don't you take a, a break from that or you know you know take a a few hours off from that or take a day off you know trying to mm -hmm. come back to to the world because it's you know, it's a fast current. It's very easy to get swept up in it because there's so much of it and it's there 24 seven and whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. But mm -hmm. try to find something that's tethered to the real world, to our world, our lives to kind of pull you mm -hmm. back from that. And to, I find also uh, kind of trying to find other outlets that I've never used before to kind of see the other side, but not like the Voxes or the Salons that's just like total left-wing garbage that mm -hmm. hardly anybody listens to but maybe something like you said that's a difference of opinion but it's still something that we can listen to and it's still rooted in some kind of sanity and normalcy you know not this four-year-olds can decide their own gender kind of shit but you know the stuff that we can all agree on but it may be a difference of opinion from what we are it kind of it's kind of a breath of fresh air we're out of our our usual flow of how we get our information and what we read and kind of like, oh, okay, there's hope. There are sensible people on the other side, so to speak. So it, it's a good feeling, yeah. you know, to kind of get lifted out of that for a second. But I would definitely, you know, try to look to something that's not related to that. It's in like just your regular life to kind of give right. us a, you know, right. come to the surface for air. Cause it's, yeah, it's totally. so easy to get, to get pulled down in that basement of, 
what's going on in the world, you know, kind of in that lab, that mad scientist lab of, of what's going on in the world. Cause there's plenty of it. And every time you turn around, somebody said something crazy. Some athlete said something stupid. Some company is getting woke and pulling some product for some dumbass reason. And just something to further make us go, damn it. How do we, mm-hmm. how do we get here? You know, so try to find something to snap us out of it or see the other side. Like, okay, there's sensible people. We'll be okay. And we will. I think it's going to take a lot more than whatever the hell we're dealing with now to unravel not only the fabric of America, but the world. You know, there are countries that have been around for a long time. They've put these values in place for a long time. And I like to think that it's going to take more than what the far left have to offer to, you know, to, to tear that down. Yeah, I agree. I think that what you're talking about is coming up for air and doing and not not even I think it's, you know, trying to get to the point where we're not coming up for air, but we're breathing the air and occasionally dipping below the surface for a few seconds and then living life back out in the open air of quote unquote real life, you know, of, of job, family and community and hobbies. You know, what happened to having a hobby like in the hobby doesn't have to be like pasting together like a wooden ship or something it could be like riding a motorcycle a friend of mine just like he loves riding motorcycles he he doesn't commute with it it's just his weekend thing he just gets out there for a few hours and breathes the air and you know so what is that kind of thing for you what is uh just so people get a sense of who you are oh, and what you love to do man i love to spend time with my kids i love to do my videos because it, it gives me a chance it's cathartic it's right. therapy. Yeah. Everybody who I see in the comment section, you know, hey man, you're you're saying what I'm thinking. It's good to hear somebody say that. Same for me. I'm glad to hear myself say that. You know, so I'm kind of being therapeutic to myself. Right. You know, but definitely by far, no question is is hanging out with my kids. And we have a in a municipal airport near here. And on the weekends, there's this huge industrial park near there, like the headquarters for coca-cola and you know the news stations you know where they park all their vehicles but -hmm. on the weekend there's nobody there and they have these freshly paved parking lots Mm -hmm. so i'll take my kids over there to ride the rollerblades and their skateboard and just Mm -hmm. getting outside with them because they're spending so much time in front of the screen right now with this online schooling bullshit so any way to get them out in nature in the air to scrape their knee you know and get dirty you know that's really my main thing and i'm i'm so and with that, like I was we were talking before, you know, we started with that second kid, you kind of get to relive the first kid because the first kid, you learn how fast time goes. You blink there. Now they're half your height telling you what they think about the world. So with the second one, you know, you kind of get to be in the moment more because the first one, you don't know what's going on. You're when they're babies, you're turning on the light to see if they're still breathing. You're so caught up <laughs> not knowing what the hell's going on. Man, that's some real parent stuff right there. Yeah. If you haven't turned on the light to see if that baby's still breathing, you don't understand. <laughs> but, you know, with that second one, you really get, you kind of get a second shot at it. So just being with them, you know, and listen to them talk and, you know, the silly stuff. They're so simple. They're so yeah. simple. They're so pure. Yeah. They're so un- untainted by the world. Everything's mm-hmm. black and white to them. Yeah. So, you know, they're just, they come, they're like, a, kids are like a new cell phone. They come with some apps on them. You can't erase it. You right. know, they come with some things already on them. So it's up to us to kind of guide it. Don't, you know, extinguish that little flame. Yeah. Kind of guide it, give it some some basic rules and just being around them, man. Because, you know, you blink, they'll be asking for our car keys and want us to drop them off, you know, a block from school so nobody knows they have parents. Man. So, you know, we're trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to live in the moment, man. I'm trying to soak it up. 
you know, before they're slamming doors, giving me attitude. You know what I mean? So that's it. Yeah. My, my kids are it. That's amazing. That's amazing. You don't hear that often. And it's, it's the greatest thing to hear because it's really, you know, right now the Jewish people were, we're in this time we call the days of awe between um, the new year of Rosh Hashanah and, and the day of judgment, which is coming up on Sunday, Monday. And a friend of mine texted me and saying, you know, this is the time to think about what's really important. And just that phrase, what's really important, because when you start thinking what's important, I'm like, oh, my, my platform's important and my income is important. My tax is important. You're like, no, that's not it, actually. That's not what's really important. What's really important are my kids and my wife and, and our family and the community around us. And the people in the country that we live in who matter, no matter who they are, they matter. And those are the things that are, and like you said, nature and animals and making sure that we're doing what we can do to make this a better place. I mean, that's got to be the really important thing. The rest is mostly ego, I find, and fear. Those things just get a hold of you and they don't let go unless you pry their fingers off. And I think that's what's, going on a lot of the time in the u.s is that you look at hatred you trace it back to fear every single time and when people are scared they start to hate and then the hate causes more fear and i think that's unfortunately where we are but anyways on that uh, cheerful note i wanted to say thank you for what you're doing thank you for taking the time for this interview i think um i think a lot of people out there again on on every side of a question of our political divide can appreciate the core sentiment of what you're doing and what you're saying. I think that's what really matters. Whether they're here or there on a certain issue, it's not that relevant. It's really about where someone's coming from. And I think when people hear what you're saying, that's what they're hearing. Even if they disagree with the issue you're talking about, the way or the opinion you've got on it, they hear you coming at it from a place that's honest and fair and I think that's what really matters. So, you know, that's just my appreciation for what you're doing. And, you know, I hope you and I can continue this. Maybe we'll do a round two, another 6 a.m., uh, 8 p.m. for you. Or maybe we'll push it 5 a.m., you know, go for the gold. Hey, whatever time, whatever place you let me know, man, this has been an absolute pleasure. You're great at what you do. I really appreciate it. And it's so wonderful, great, awesome to see someone on the other side of the world that values the family because that's going to fix all this is the family. That's the most important thing. The way, because we're going to damage our kids in some way. We're human, right. but we got to give it our best. We have to give them the tools and to hear someone, you know, on the other side of the world for me, thinking the same way is just very encouraging. And Hey man, we'll definitely have a round two. This is awesome. Jericho, thank you so much. I'm going to put all your info in, in the show notes when we've got the show notes ready. But I think what people really need to check out is your YouTube channel. That's where it's all happening. And I'm going to buy a t-shirt because I think those t-shirts are, are awesome. And I've got, I hope you ship internationally because I've got friends in different countries who will really love to get a Jericho Green t-shirt. So thank you, and let's be in touch. Most definitely. Thanks a lot, man. You have a good night, or right, good day, I should good say. Good day, yeah, that's it. All right, man. Take Later. care. Bye. You too. Thank you for listening. 
If you like this episode, head over to theburningcastle.com to gain access to all interviews and tweet us at Burning Castle if you have feedback on this week's episode. Be sure to tune in for the next episode.